I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to Going Offsides, presented by the Lacrosse Collective on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. All right, we got a lot to get to today, Ryan. So why don't we start off by uh, talking about the decision by the World Games Association to exclude the Iroquois from their lacrosse tournament in 2022. Yeah, man, this has been something that's, it's been all over uh, the internet and social media over the last week or so. It, it, it's, you know, it's definitely, it's a polarizing topic because there's just so many people that feel very adamant about having the, the Iroquois included, um, in this event. And, and, and I think that there's a, there's a lot of different dynamics. I think the first thing, and, and, and Nick, you know, jump in whenever you want, man. But, um, I, I think the one thing too, that if you go back and you kind of look, um, and you see, um, you know, Lyle Thompson, obviously he's really the point person when it comes to the Iroquois nation. There's so many people that that look to him um as the you know as the as the leader of that group and deservedly so i mean he's he's one of the top five players in the world so obviously everybody's going to look to him um you know he came out and even said it like you know this wasn't a decision i think when everybody thinks of the world games they think of the fil and the traditional world games that have been going on for the last 40 50 years um that happen every four years uh, this was a decision, you know, a couple years back, they actually changed their name. So that's no longer, um, known as the world games. It's like world lacrosse or, or whatever well, no. that is. To, Go ahead. It's no longer FIL. It's World Lacrosse. Yes, it's World Lacrosse, and it's there. There was some confusion because I think a lot of people felt like you know their anger was based towards them, where you know their set of standards for the actual World Games that you know you've seen up to this point are completely different than this World Games, which is you know basically a showpiece tournament for a lot of the sports that aren't in the Olympics yet, but are looking to go to the Olympics. So I think there was a, there was some confusion with that. That was a decision that wasn't done by the former FIL. This was done by the world games. Um, but I mean, from my standpoint, uh, <clears throat> You know, I feel really strongly about this, having had the opportunity to to coach um, some people that are part of the Iroquois Nation and and played with. I've had teammates that are part of the Iroquois Nation that have played in the World Games. Uh, it was such an important aspect of the World Games those all so many years ago that they were included in the Iroquois Nation was um, included in the World Games. I, you know, to have them you know, put a tournament on and, and, and really kind of take those next steps to, you know, make it a, a world renowned game, which, you know, you can talk about it too, Nick. I mean, in the last, you know, 10, 20 years, you know, the world games have, have grown so much, but, uh, you know, to have a, a tournament where you're including all of these different, you know, countries and to not include the Iroquois nation, I could definitely see why a lot of people are very upset about it. And it's something that should be addressed. And I, I, there needs to be a, a, a greater explanation as to why they're not involved. And, and I think that they should be, I, I, it's just, but also too, if you think about it too, you know, it, it, this isn't just going to affect them. This is going to affect some people, some, some countries across the Atlantic as well. So Nick, what, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. So traditionally when, when you and I talk about the world games in terms of lacrosse, we're, we're obviously talking about the world championships held by FIL which is mm -hmm. every four years and the world games association, like you said, that's kind of a tryout to get into the Olympics for your event, for your sport. And 
obviously Olympics is something that we've been talking about for years. It's always been a hope to get lacrosse back in. Now, a lot of people are torn because like they want to change. There's a lot of rule changes that they already did with the Olympic rules for lacrosse. And to clear a couple things up, the World Lacrosse Association, which is the group that runs the, the world championships for just lacrosse, they are kind of the advocate, the, the group pushing and navigating the Olympic path for the entire sport of lacrosse. Okay. And so the Iroquois are a member of world lacrosse. So that, that we know now the world games association, which is holding the world games in was Alabama. Yes. It's going to be in Alabama in 2022. They have nothing to do with world lacrosse to some extent. Now it's not world lacrosse's fault that the Iroquois wasn't included in the first place. Some people are putting blame on them because they haven't, or maybe they didn't push back enough or know ahead of time that this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the world games, they don't understand our sport the way that we do. They don't know that the Iroquois is, or they didn't know. (laughs) I know that they know now. Uh, They didn't really probably understand because they're not lacrosse people that the Iroquois literally created the game okay Mm -hmm. and that they're top three in the world at lacrosse and it all comes down to this issue that in in the u.s and in canada we know exactly who the iroquois are you know we treat them as a sovereign nation we have treaties and we have all of these things however the rest of the world you know outside of lacrosse mind you outside of lacrosse the rest of the world probably doesn't care And that's part of the issue. The Olympics is a huge thing. And then lacrosse being part of the Olympics is such a small thing. When you think about the the global scale of sport, like it doesn't matter to most people in the world that lacrosse is in the Olympics. It it matters to us lacrosse fans, but no, but no one else. And then you take that a step further and they look at each individual country or nation. Again, it's just people not understanding. So to move forward and you know people did a great job mobilizing on social media the the petitions tagging everyone literally annoying the world games association to the point where it's like we have to respond and uh you know we, we made some progress this week in that you know the the iroquois nation has now created or is creating an olympic committee for their for themselves to advocate for themselves they are working with world lacrosse and they were working with the World Games Association. So now we have all stakeholders working together. And uh, the World Games Association made it clear that they want this situation taken care of sooner than later. So, you know, we're very hopeful that something goes well. Um, you know, the lacrosse community has kind of banded together and said if they can't play, no one can, no one should play. And, you know, I, I like Team Canada's stance or the Canadian lacrosse stance where they said, you know, we want them in. They deserve to be in. They gave us the game. It's a gift. Uh, we are going to try to first get them in and make them a part of this before we pursue any type of, you know, boycotting on our end. And I think that's the right approach for now. You know, if we all band together and advocate for the Iroquois, let's start with that before we make these threats uh, of not being a part because, of the event at all. Because they could they could easily call their bluff. Yeah. And you know what? That'll be, it'll be pretty telling for the whole world because again, some countries really, 
they probably wouldn't care if they don't really understand the history of the game mm-hmm. and they'd be glad to get a chance to go to the Olympics. And yeah. while as you know, the North American teams, they obviously do understand this very well and, and it's a part of the history. So, uh, well, listen, it's like, you know, the 1980 Olympics when all the U S athletes decided not to go the summer games when Carter said, Hey, we're not going, but guess what? They still had the Olympics. Yeah. You know, and, and but you know, and my last stance on this too, and this is like, you know, I, I hope we're gonna put this on here and you know, I hope I, I don't have anybody, you know, phone tapping my lines or anything, but you know, it, it, granted it's two different things, the IOC and you know, the world games and everything like that, but you know, you had a major doping scandal with Russia all those years ago. You said you're not letting these people in to, to participate in the games. And then you let the Russian athletes in under, you know, a, a completely different flag. Like there needs to be something done so that we can have the Iroquois nation in this in this tournament. Like it, it's it's ridiculous. Like you have to. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. And you're not going to don't don't BS it and make it under some type of refugee flag or anything, no, you know, not just even let that. them in as the Iroquois or don't let them in. And for those people who are like, well, it's, it's simple. Just play for Canada or the U S it's not that. No, simple. it's not. And it's not that simple. completely beside the point. That's not what we're looking for. So. Well, and that, and that goes into a completely different argument. Like you're saying play for one or the other. You're basically everything that's going on in this country right now and across the world with, you know, basically, you know, there's a huge divide from a racial standpoint. You're basically asking them to take away their identity. And that's not right. I mean, we've already done that for hundreds of years and and we need to not right. We need to have them in the games and it's just, it needs to be rectified. I'm glad that people are going, you know, out on a limb to really try and make that happen. And and hopefully they listen and it, you know, it would be a shame to see this go on and not have them involved. You know, it's, right. it's, it, it, it's scary, but it, it brings me back to the world games those years ago that were in England where, you know, the, they weren't gonna, they weren't gonna let the Iroquois come because of their passports. Like it, it, it's ridiculous. Like, it and, just, and that's, just that's it. goes right back to what we talked about other countries, not understanding it as mm-hmm. well as we do here, because we've never really had a passport issue when it's a, on a North American tournament. So, nope. um, so we are going to keep that topic going in a future episode and have updates for you as well as bringing on a few Native American players so that they can speak you know, how, about how they feel about this whole situation and, and probably teach us quite a bit. Um, what do you think, you know, MLL is over for now and the PLL oh, started oh, yeah, uh, it is. last week. So uh, what do you think about the first couple of days for the PLL? Man, I, I I don't I, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's it, it's been great to see such a high level of lacrosse. I mean, you know, first thing that jumps out at you, you know, you compare two products, and I think that it kind of set it up where, you know, the MLL went the week before and now we're into the PLL and you kind of take a look at things and I'm not talking about level of play and just things like that, but the system that the PLL set up where these guys were out there, you know, a week to 10 days prior to them starting to play and and doing uh, the training camp. Listen, it worked. It helped because the product that they're putting on the field is much better than I think what they've done in the past as far as, you know, maybe just getting together for two practices and then playing a game or practicing once a week and then playing, you know, your weekend tournaments and that sort of thing, your weekend showcases. Uh, I've been really impressed with the level of play. I've been really impressed with kind of just the crispness of it. Um, You're not seeing as many turnovers as you typically would. Um, 
I think it's been great. I think you know, you you see you know the the games have been really close. Um, you've seen it's been great from a sense that you've seen some of these games where teams are jumping out to big leads at halftime, and then you're turning around and you're seeing that other team you know re- make adjustments at halftime and then come back and and either win the game in the second half or turn it into a really close game. I mean, you saw that um, multiple times over the course of the first few days. Um, and I think that just speaks to one, the intensity of the players and two, just the special level of coaching that is at the PLL level. I mean, yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I've, I've definitely enjoyed it. It's definitely a different feeling than the MLL uh, mm-hmm. tournament. Not only is it a longer event, it doesn't feel as rushed. I will say that this first week, you know, it's exciting lacrosse, but at the same time, because everyone makes the playoffs, I'm a little bit less invested in who wins each game. Yep. Now I have placed a few bets, so that has made things more interesting for me. Are we up or are we uh, down? Uh, I, I don't know. I only played. I only placed bets on the winner of the whole tournament, so uh, you won't know okay. yet. Uh, okay. I, I hedged my bet. I put uh, Redwoods for championship, and that's not looking great. But Listen, uh, they always I come together with Water Dogs, and they're looking pretty good despite losing their first two games. So they're looking mm. real. Bad. They just need to put a second half together. There you but, go. Um, you know, it's been great. I like. I like the rules. You know, you see the rule changes you know, back-to-back weeks between the MLL and the PLL. So that's been nice to just see two very different styles of lacrosse because obviously the uh, the PLL field is shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game clock is quicker. They literally never stop the clock, it feels like. Yeah. And I found myself, you know, as many people on Twitter had said, it's, it's already halftime. Like, well, what's going on? Like, this game is flying by. They nailed it on the head, man. It's keeping people invested. It's keeping people's attention. And more importantly, too, they're fitting a game. Like, so if you get a two-hour slot, it's in and out. It's done by that two hours, which is great. They're really doing a good job of keeping to that. And um, it's definitely helped. And I think that's going to help the PLL moving forward with scheduling um, issues like for when, you know, obviously we get back to normal and for and next they, season they and future the season. Media, you know, they built yep. the media around league, uh, league around media and it, it shows, but to some extent, you know, as, as a big time lacrosse fan, not a casual fan, you know, a casual fan might not pick up on it, but having watched every MLL game and then watching every PLL game, I kind of wish it wasn't so streamlined a little bit. Like I, yeah. I would like an extra minute or two in each quarter and just cut your halftime down by a little bit. You know, I just, it goes a little too fast for me. And, and I feel like the team sometimes, you know, granted it's the style of play. Like you need to, you need to fix it or mm-hmm. find a way to get there. But if you don't come out real fast or if you can't recover real quick, you'll get buried like the Atlas at the end of last yeah. season, they lost 24 seven to the archers. Like you don't have time to fix stuff. Yes. It's gotta be done in a second or else you're gone. I would have, ag- I, I agree with you. I, you know, I would say add a couple minutes to each quarter, you know, um, yeah. I think that would help um, because or you're right. I mean, 30 it, minute running halves, like honestly, yeah, it's, it ends up being the same thing. Who cares if they switch sides? I personally don't care if they switch yeah. sides. Who, who gives a crap? Give them a 30 second water break at 15 minutes. Yeah. Go to a team. I mean, know, we're, add, we're add, add, nitpicking yeah. here, but it's, you know, these yeah. are small changes, but in my perfect world, that's what I would do. Uh, you know, big news this week too, in the PLL, we have a rookie who, uh, well, lack of, you know, there's no other way around it. Like loves to run his mouth. 
how do you think, you know, you saw it, you saw some of the things he said. Do you think that people are more upset with what he said or the fact that he's a rookie saying it on live TV? Listen, I, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you on both points. I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it has everything to do with who he said it to. Um, I, yeah, I, the NLO guys weren't very happy that he and, took shots yeah. at Blaze. Well, because everybody loves Blaze, and and like rightfully so, he's a great player. He's a great ambassador for the game. He's an awesome dude. Um, he's a really well liked person, and you know everybody everybody roots for Blaze. I mean, and that's the truth. Um, I, I think it, people, he took it real well, man. Like he well, just he sat there and he listened to it, and he didn't even flinch. He just. Just took it all in. Now, granted, he wasn't having the best day, so I think no. he just kind of, he just kind of, you know, internalized everything that was going on. But I'll say this: he took it like a champ. Well, I'm gonna be, and he did 100. He took it like a pro, and good for him because you want to know what it, it goes with this by this saying: some days you're the bird, and some days you're the statue. Now, um, just in that situation, he was the statue for that day. But it, it, to be honest with you, man yeah like you know it, it is it you know you have to have some level of sportsmanship but at the same time like you want to what if there were fans in the stands and all that other stuff like you probably wouldn't have been able to hear all that stuff um like if you think that that's not happening across the board um in high school in college in professional that's happening all over the place like you know the only thing that i'm going to say is this like Two, you know, a month ago, everybody was watching the last dance with Michael Jordan. And I'm not comparing Matt Gaudet to Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. And, you know, that's just how it goes. But Michael Jordan was talking smack to everybody and everybody said, oh, man, that's just how he was. He was the GOAT. Matt Gaudet does it. And it's like, shut up, rookie. You can't say that. Like, you know, like it's it's OK for one person, but it's not OK for him. And it's OK. You know, it, it, it's just like you know, listen, you've, we've all done it. Like it, it's, I'm not going to say it was right. It was wrong. It was indifferent. It's, that's just what happens, you know, in the heat of the moment and during the game. Like, um, you know, I, I, I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. Like if you don't like it, stop them. Yeah. And well, that's the, that's the first thing, right? If you don't like it, like stop them within the rules, which we'll get back to in a second, you know, and, and as for your thought about the fans, I don't think, a million fans in the crowd would have would have over well, that laugh that yeah, laugh that cackle oh. <laughs> I my thought, god bro i thought that was the i thought that was the goal song i thought his laugh was the goal song i was like who came up with this goal song it's brilliant and it was just in the background and it was, listen, his his laugh haunts my haunts my nightmares. But nightmare fuel, man. It is nightmare fuel. But also, too, shame on you if you're Blaze Reardon's defense. Shame on you. You sh somebody should have just mushed his face and put him to the ground. But you stood there and did nothing. Yeah. All right. They, they That's on you. That's on you. And here's the other thing about it, too. I understand your point that you know. People weren't okay with it because it was Blaze. Yeah, the pros weren't okay with it because it was Blaze. I don't think the average fan really took took that side. They just did. They just didn't like hearing it if they weren't used to it. And like a bunch of people were saying, like this happens everywhere. Even the some of the guys on the chaos were like, this does happen all the time. But we just don't like, you know, he had one goal or whatever he had in the first game. Now I will say, you know, I tweeted that Matt Gaudet is a mental terrorist because mm -hmm. it's working. Yeah, 
I mean, he basically had Garrett Apple commit assault, you know, as Booker Corrigan would say, that's illegal in four counties in Maryland, all four counties. So um, it's, it's wild that they're letting it happen and they're taking so many penalties. Mm-hmm. And I saw another great tweet. Some guy said something like, it's crazy how you let a guy draw that many penalties for chirping a goalie on a team that isn't yours three days ago. Well, like that's wild just because you have to like, yeah. And here's my, here's my last point. Here's my last point on it too, to the casual lacrosse fan there. And like you said it, like, you know, people are saying like, Oh dude, you had one goal. Like you need to cut it out. Well, okay. That's somebody who watches the game and just values a person's ability based on goals and assists and points. Mm -hmm. I'm watching that game. And the entire game, I'm watching him set seals on the crease. I'm watching him just cause chaos in the middle of the field so that he can get his teammates open. How many step-down shots were created because he set a seal on the backside when you know the midfielder dodged, drew a slide, he kicked it to one person, he's setting a seal on the backside, and the defense is late to get to that over-the-top pass or to that next pass, and somebody has a clear shot at the goal. Like He is doing a great job, and he is a phenomenal player. Like Yeah, he only had one goal, but he was doing a lot of other stuff that was creating offense for that team. So, you know, if you're a casual fan and you don't know some of that stuff, like I understand and I get that, but, you know, he is a, he, he knows what he's doing and there are going to be games where he's going to go off for four or five goals. And here's the thing too. He even said that this whole thing that's happened, his whole persona now and everybody trying to kind of take their extra shot at him, which is really what's happening. And now everyone's trying to get that, free shot you know most people are looking for legal ones unless you're apple um he said that he's causing all the slides to be late because Mm -hmm. there's so much more attention on him and Mm -hmm. joe keegs even brought it up he said he's not wrong um this this guy is creating slower slides because or late slides because everybody's paying too much attention to him just because they like they want to be the guy that you know knocked god dead in his ass so he's 2020's farrell I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to some extent. Well, he's you know everybody was talking about him well, last year. You hate year. him because you hate Farrell. N- no, I love Farrell. You can't yeah. you can't hate you can't hate a Long Island. He lost like six faceoffs, and you were ready to crucify him. And then you even texted me. He's proving me wrong. Like the moment I text you this. Yeah, no doubt. He, Listen, he won a lot of faceoffs after he that. He did. He did. He did. And you want to know what? That's just my you know. That's just my ignorance because you know he doesn't fit the mold of your traditional face-off guy i and, and you want to know what i love his game because he he mucks it up he's a tough guy he's in your face and and it's everything that i love in a player but for whatever reason you know i, I just you know I, i've had it out for him but he's well, winning i think it's because him, you see him struggle with the gb and you know i i personally prefer my face-off guys to be more nardella than Farrell, but you know there's no doubt he's got ability here's the reason too I went to Adelphi. He went to yeah, Post. Yeah, exactly. Adelphi and Post have an issue. So there's that. But those I'm, you, I'm his guy. For those of you not from New York, those are both on Long Island. All right. So the best new PLL players. Why don't you just give me two or three of your favorite new guys in the league? And let's go back and forth each guy. 
All right. I mean, I, I have a couple. Um, I mean, you can't really you can't really disagree. I mean, he's leading the league in points right now. Is Amit? I mean, he's he's an absolute stud on attack. Um, so I mean, he's the easy one right off the bat. Uh, yeah. You know, I think he's he's seamlessly stepped into the PLL, and and I think he's you're gonna he's now on an offense where say there's five Mac O'Keefe's and not just one of them. So he's gonna have a field day. Uh, for the rest of his time in the PLL, so I'm yeah, really he's all in in the PLL, yeah. man. Did you see his parents bought a, a cutout of his dog? Yeah, put in the stands? Amazing. that's amazing. It's amazing. So like they, they, he's all in. I'll go a different direction. I think Jake Withers has been outstanding. I mean, he's the Stunned. first first PLL guy ever to hold Baptiste under fifty yeah, percent. And Stunned. somebody can correct me and, and and at me, but I'm pretty sure he didn't win a single clamp. I think his clamp percentage was zero, but the way he counters everything is yeah. beautiful. And I would Man. love to have I'd love to have Grenlian on here one time just to talk about these counters. But the way and this he, dude works the wings, mm -hmm. the way he works the GBs, his exits, you know, everything is it's honestly awesome. And he makes that piece look yeah. unathletic. And, and he, and he, ma he mucks it up too, man. He's, he's a, like, he's tough, man. He's, he's a Nick Myers guy. And, you know, it, it goes back to telling you like, yo, know, those, those grinders, man, those guys, like those are guys that, um, as this tournament goes on and as the championship series goes on, man, they're going to be so important to team success. Absolutely. All right. Next one. Who you got? Zed Williams, Zeddy ball oh, game. Zed Williams, to watch him tonight. Zeddy ball game. That kid is outstanding. You know, and I loved him when he was going from high school to college. Um, you know, and when he went down to UVA, I was always a big Zed Williams fan. I always thought that, you know, his, his style of play might not necessarily have been the best for, you know, the systems that Virginia ran, but he was still such an absolute stud. And now he's playing in the system. I mean, he's doing so well, man. He's, he can, he can score. He can, he's feed. playing for the perfect coach for, yep. you know, for what he wants to do for his style. I mean, there's no mm -hmm. doubt about it. Andy or uh, yeah. Coach towers loves, he freaking loves these guys with a box background, mm -hmm. these guys, you know, that, that play the two man game, these guys that work the crease, he loves all that stuff. And Zed is perfect for all of the stuff that he wants to do for the chaos. So perfect. Couldn't, couldn't have been a better guy. Absolutely. I think a huge addition this year has been, um, Eli Gobrecht, new yep. deep hole moving over from the outlaws over to the archers, giving them a nice piece down low. To help protect their, you know, their two fabulous goalies that split time, but they really needed someone like him to to, to come in, and, and obviously they had a guy go home right before the tournament because he failed a COVID test. So it's it's even speaks even more to like his impact, yeah. and I'm pretty sure he held Pinnell to like almost nothing. He might have had three points. I got to double yeah. check that. Yeah, he did pretty good. All I know is he did pretty damn good. So. Uh, that's, that's my next guy for sure. And, you know, and this is, I'm going to say this too. And, and I don't know if you want to, if you want to interject and maybe throw somebody in here, but like for me, um, somebody that, you know, he, he's not really doing much of anything right now, but I think that he's probably the best kept secret. And I think somebody who's going to absolutely tear it up when he gets his chance is Dylan Ward, man. He's, He's the best goalie in the world, and he's on the bench right now. Um, 
And, yeah, and you and, had to think, you know, I think he was in street clothes, if I'm not mistaken, during their first game. Otherwise, I would have expected him to go in for Blaze. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I, I don't recall if he was in street clothes. I know he had a hat on, um, you know, and, and I don't think he had might not have had his helmet on. But, um, you know, he's somebody that I mean, you know, arguably the what a luxury. Argu- yeah. You have you have the best goalie from the PLL last season, and you have arguably the best goalie in the world. Who, listen, I say trade him. We should trade trade Ward. I'm kidding. That's a, that's an NLL, that's an NLL joke. Yeah, I know. But listen, <laughs> that guy. You know, people only seem to talk about him every time there's a World Games because he's you know he's uh you know he averages twenty. He's like the TJ Oshi of the world of the world oh championship. He's he's so good. He's so good. Yes, and um, obviously we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. Obviously, Pinnell is having. Yeah. you know, Pinnell is being Pinnell. He, you know, what he he just kind of reminds me of an old. You know, Ament reminds me of a young Pinnell. Yeah. Just his ability to, to, to quarterback from X, but you know, Pinnell's been great for the league. But my my last choice for one of the, my favorite new PLO players is Zach Courier. I mean, oh yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I, I think gonna... he's he he came into the league as obviously one of the best offensive players in the world, but he's so underrated because of the work he does on the wings. Yeah, um, and that was one of the things that hurt them the most last night is just not having him out there, and you know. He has all the offensibility in the world. He can play some defense, but his wing play is so underrated. He's such a piece for for that for that unit. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he comes back. You know, I know he's day to day. They said he cleared uh, concussion protocol. He's just got some upper back like yeah. neck stiffness. Next so, stuff. you know, hopefully we're good there. But well, here's my last question, and this is kind of like an off-topic, kind of funny thing, and it's just it is what it is. You know, you're talking about Rob Pinnell, and it's kind of like it, it is funny. But like my question is, is like who's gonna have um, more like shirtless workout videos throughout the championship series? Is it gonna be him or Paul Rabel? Wrong. It's Kyle Hartzell. <laughs> Man, that's the sleeper pick. That's the sleeper pick. <laughs> sleeper pick. No way. I don't think the guy owns the shirt when he's outside. Oh my god. All Either right. way. All right, moving on. Uh, MLL roundup. So, I mean, we can go on an entire episode about this, but we've got Miles Silva coming on yeah. a future episode. He'll he'll kind of round up the experience. But you know, obviously, leading up to Saturday, things were going pretty well. I mean, they had the lacrosse world behind them. Most. Most was, casual fans were like just happy to see some lacrosse. I was we wake back. up Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was I, all in MLL. I was back. I was ready to go. I was ready for season tickets to a franchise that so hopefully in, was still there in the next year. I was so invested and I was so happy. And I was just so happy from the sense that it was working. Like it, it was the lacrosse was really good. It was a good product and it was getting the exposure it needed. And and it there was just it was there was just something about it where like it was just you you felt like um you felt optimistic about the future uh yeah and for the first time in years hit. i found myself invested in the mll okay and i haven't been invested in years and not only was i invested i was excited i felt good yes. i felt like these six teams are solid you yep. know we got the future we got the charlotte hounds poss- possibly coming back next year you know, everybody who's anybody in the Midwest is like, come on, let's get the Ohio machine back there for number eight. And, you know, let's let's roll with it. Let's do it differently, but like still do a good product. And we wake up Saturday and we find out that, you know, guys had been leaving the bubble. 
Uh, I had heard some guys, you know, were going home after games because, you know, obviously a lot of those Chesapeake guys live not too mm-hmm. far from Annapolis. And, you know, we don't have any specific names and we would never, we would never share those anyway, but it just, it sucks to have that black eye on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you know, I fully understand them calling it a championship, but for the league to say that teams were forfeiting when, you know, that wasn't really the call. No, that wasn't it at all. And then on Sunday, you know, to have a championship, which was really just the semifinal from the night before, Mm -hmm. it's just a, it's just a tough way to go out after what was honestly such a great start to the week. And, you know, we found out later again that the bubble was a little bit of a sham, you know, you yeah, know, they didn't. They didn't test people as they came in. They just ch- tested for symptoms mm-hmm. when they arrived. You know, media. I was told that media, as long as they had a negative test, like any time two weeks before, they were allowed in. And you know, obviously, you can get it at any moment on the way in. So yeah. it's just tough. And you know, I still have hope. I still have hope for the MLL in the future. I really, really do, and I really hope that you know. I, re- I really think that by the time next year rolls around, assuming COVID has kind of receded a little bit and it's not the main thing in the news cycle, that, you know, the MLL will be back and people will kind of forgotten about Saturday of the previous year. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully, you know, people are still excited because those people in those markets, they're fans. And so I can't wait to see what the future holds now. Uh, it's very unfortunate <laughs> and, and and you're hearing me kind of stutter. It's just, I, I'm kind of at a loss for words because, you know, I don't know the particulars of anything like that, but the same things that you said, I mean, obviously I heard the same thing too, that people were leaving and people were, you know, maybe doing some things that they shouldn't do. All I'll say is, is that it gave the PLL everything that they wanted. It gave them steam. Um, and it just kind of, whatever positive momentum that they had going forward, uh, it kind of, it kind of took them back a little bit. So if they took five steps forward, they probably took three steps back. Do I think that they're better than where they were when they started the, you know, the summer and the start of the, you know, the, the tournament? Absolutely. But you know, it definitely stings a little bit and you hit it right on the nail. You hit the nail right on the head. I'm happy the cannons won because that just goes to show you that anybody can beat anybody. And it goes back to what we talked about on the last podcast that somebody had the ability to, to step up and, and beat the best team that was there. Um, but it's just, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic about the future. Uh, I just, I just think that I can't help but think that, you know, they woke up on Saturday, you know, like whoever runs the PLL and we know who it is, but I'm not going to name them. Um, they just, they just opened up their Twitter feed and they were just like, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I, it took, it took only a few minutes from seeing that the MLL had a positive case to seeing stats directly from the PLL about mm-hmm. how many negative cases they had. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that those two things are coincidence. No, not at you all. If you know the Rabels, they they tried to buy the MLL more or less. You know, to 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 dumb it down completely. They tried to buy the MLL. They were told, "No thanks." They were told a ridiculous price. They moved on. They made what they think is the best possible version of pro lacrosse. And they're gonna they're out for blood, honestly. They're they're gonna they're keep trying to crush the MLL every every angle that you look at it. And you know, it's it's been good because it's been pushing the the media team at the MLL, it's been pushing a mm-hmm. lot of things forward, and I think competition is gonna be ultimately what could save the MLL. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
you know, let's not mince words here. The PLL is out for blood. Yep. There's no other, there's no other way to say that. Uh, it, it's true. No, and, the subtweeting, sub the the angles that they take, the shots that they take, they're really not necessary or good for the sport. But you know what? It's a competition. They're trying to win it. So exactly, you know, they're going to do whatever they got to do. Now, last point about the whole thing. Let's talk about that game ball. You know, in a second, I'll play a quote from uh, from Spencer Ford, the Philadelphia Barrage coach. But uh, that thing, I, I heard it was great for the players. It was easier to see especially the colorblind ones. We, we confirmed that they thought it was way easier to see like uh, Solomon specifically. was like, yeah, it's night and day, like just having a great, great time, much easier to see than the white ball or the orange ball. So we, we liked it. It was easy to follow on TV. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought it was really easy to see yeah. on the broadcast. I However, so coach Ford and you, you saw a lot of turnovers very early and it seemed like the ball was sailing on a lot of people. And he confirms that, uh, you know, why don't I just play the clip right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think the ball has been tough, you know, so some of the skip passes that you normally see guys make, um, we don't like have our, our bearings kind of behind us a little bit. So it's been really tough, especially from back to front, making those skip passes. Um, the ball definitely sails a bit, but I think that we're a little – we're kind of a little off together in that sense. Okay. And then there you have it proof that the coaches attributed at least to some part, uh, all the turnovers or at least the, the high passes and stuff like that to the ball. I mean, it's, it's a little bit smaller from what I hear. It's a little bit softer, which I, I think the goalies like, but if you're going to introduce a product after only two days of training camp, and it's going to cause turnovers and make it more difficult to to play the game and actually make your game look a little sloppier. I might have shied away from playing with with the new ball. I agree. Uh, I thought that's like you know that's something that give in a normal situation in a normal season. You know, if you want to introduce that, great. You know, give some, give them a few months, give them some, give them a proper training camp to actually adjust to it. Um, I mean, you saw it. This happened years ago when they when they went from the grippy ball to the not grippy ball. It threw people off, and then when they went back to the grippy ball, it seemed like you know the level of play kind of changed a little bit, and it got better. Uh, have some continuity with it. Give people more time. I mean, it, it's is is that the main reason it happened? Probably not, but it definitely probably attributed to it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there were a lot of positives about it. And I think in a normal year where you have, you know, you, you play a game, you go home, you play wall ball for a week, you come back, you practice and you play another game. Sure. You're used mm -hmm. to it within a week yeah. or two. But I think and maybe maybe even if it wasn't working out in a regular season, you just take it out after a week and say, now, nah, maybe not yeah. this year. But they didn't have that luxury. But overall... So stole the idea and the color from the PLL and it didn't work out for you as well as you thought it would. Well, I'll be sure to clip that for the show again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. So next episode, uh, hopefully we have, you know, as we plan to have Miles Silva, who is a rookie for the Denver outlaws and was uh, a last second addition, you know, member of West point Academy, or he's a graduate of West point. So I'm very excited to have him on the show and uh, Ryan, I'll see you next time. See you next time, Nick, man. It was great talking with you as always.